Attention viewers and listeners of the Product and Packaging Powerhouse Show. We would like to give you a warning that this episode contains sensitive topics around workplace sexual harassment and assault. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. You know, looking at what type of products were being offered and how we can make those better products. So that was a big challenge. You know, one, finding vendors that we could work with who were on that because a lot of these chemists and, and cosmetic chemists, a lot of the companies use kind of the same people. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to today's episode here on the Product and Packaging Powerhouse Show. I am your host, Megan Young Gamble, Project Execution Her, and Global Project Manager here at GLC. And guys, I am so excited to have our featured powerhouse for today's episode because we're going to be talking about the importance of manufacturing, regardless of what scale of business you are at currently, and why packaging is critical to that. And then also, this powerhouse guest is a Black female entrepreneur who is running her own facility, manufacturing facility, logistics facility, and has a very inspiring story. So I am so excited to have our powerhouse guest, Ms. Jonna Bell, who is the founder and the CEO of Rise Manufacturing and Logistics. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Megan. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited about this. This is important. So yeah, let's go. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Let's do it. So go ahead and just share a little bit with our audience who you are, how you got started, and how Rise came about. Okay, well, I'm so Jonna Bell, I'm CEO, as she mentioned, of Rise Manufacturing. And Rise came about, it started, I have been in the beauty industry now for 20 years. My family owned our own salon. And growing up in the salon, I just kind of remember the days when we would have like Dudley representatives come in and they would come in. And that was just like a relationship between the representatives and the stylists and the salon owners, that sort of thing. And so every week they would come. I mean, we were young. We were just kind of, you know, there, but we were also excited because they would sometimes come in with new products and that sort of thing. So I love the fact of how this was, it was this connection between the sales reps as well as a beauty professional. So I always kind of stayed, you know, in beauty, not knowing that that's what I was intended to do. But I went to Clark Atlanta University, ended up having a, a my own salon in my dorm room. You know, we did nails and hair and you can come on the dorm room floor, you would smell the products and stuff like that. But that was always my hustle, you know, which was hair. But I thought that I was going a whole nother direction. And what happened was that um, I was working at Fortune 500, had spent maybe 10 years in Fortune 500 companies. And everything was great, you know, when I could give all of myself. But when my life changed, I got married, I had a baby, and those became my priority. And when that happened, there was a disconnect between now me and the company. Um, so I changed to another company. And once I changed to that company, I was actually, uh, it was an attempted sexual assault by my manager. What? Yeah. So oh, wow. when that happened, um, 
it was the thing that was wild was that I had also worked in human resources and that sort of thing in the corporate arena. And I had spoke with other young ladies who would experience sexual harassment or different things. But once it's you in the position, everything changes. You know, you question yourself. Was it something I did or that sort of thing? And from that point, I went and spoke to, you know, their HR and I was told that unless he continued it, then, you know, there was nothing they could do. They needed to establish a pattern. And from that point, it was like, you know what? I can't do this any longer. You know, I'm just walking out. And, you know, the family was like, what are you doing? You're leaving that good job. You've been there 10 years, you know, that sort of thing. But I just knew all of what I brought to that company, all of what I was dealing with and could do this for myself. I didn't know how, I didn't know how it was going to all, you know, kind of come together, but I felt that all the energy and everything that I give to them, I'm now going to put that into myself and my own company. So I went to our salon, which was really more, nothing more than a write-off for my parents at the time, but I'm like, okay, I'm about to work here. And they were like, what you going to do? I'm like, I'm clueless, but I'm about to work here. So from that, um, my sisters and I started doing tree break and it was just the best style to me. It made total sense. Um, and we started doing that. I guess that was in 02 and the business grew and we decided, well, while we're doing this, it would only make sense for us to offer products, extension, everything that the customer needed, we needed that to be a one-stop shop. We said, okay, well, you know, so we went on a hunt. We started finding, you know, the, the hair we were going to use, got that. Now, what about the products? So we worked with, you know, a couple of product makers and before we knew it, we were like, well, we want to private label our own line. And that's how we came up with our Lady Elegance line. So once we we developed our little system, we were like, okay, this, this is it. This makes sense. You know, why is it that when we go get our hair done, our braids or whatever, we're running to the beauty supply store. And that whole process that I spoke of before with having the Dudley reps and all of that, that didn't exist any longer. You know, now you got, before you could go into a Walmart or Walgreens and you couldn't find a black product. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, okay, they found out how profitable we are and, you know, our products and how we feel about our hair. And now they got rolls of our products. And, you know, just looking at just that, I just became more and more intrigued and more and more intrigued. So my aha moment, one day I'm sitting around and I started doing some research on Madam CJ Walker and I'm doing it and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm just trying to just understand who she was as a person. And I learned now, let me background, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and I grew up down the street from what's called Echo Children's Home which was owned by Annie Malone. We also have a, a annual parade that's been around like 125 years, which was the Annie Malone May Day Parade. But I then found out during my research on Madam C.J. Walker that she used to work for Annie Malone. Wow. And I'm like, hold up. I only knew Annie Malone as, you know, the orphanage home. Mm -hmm. What does this mean? So now <laughs> it was like a beautiful mind moment. I had poster boards all along my room. Yeah. I'm doing a comparison between the two women and finding out that actually... The woman who started the black beauty industry was Annie Malone. She was a chemist. Wow. She started with her poor old hair care products. And this made a parade that we participated in every year. Mm -hmm. Didn't know that the way that came to be was that she had this building. She had her own manufacturing company. She was mm -hmm. producing products. She was selling. I mean, she put thousands of women on, you know, creating opportunities for them, empowering them. And taking them at that time, it was only washerwomen jobs and maids. And now she gave them an opportunity to create their own financial future. So I'm, oh my God, this is awesome. 
and this woman is from where I'm from, how yeah. do I not know about her? How is, how is this not in our history books? I mm -hmm. went to beauty school. Why didn't we discuss this? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just on and on. I mean, literally about a week of just research and finding out, okay, by the books, by the tax returns, she was literally the first female millionaire on record. And she wow. did that all through beauty products. So again, that was my aha moment. I'm like, wait, I've seen what it's done for my salon. I'm seeing the pioneer of it. Mm -hmm. I can do this. <laughs> I can yeah. do this too. So I started with the formulas that we had. We created those. We took those and made those stock formulas and took those stock formulas and started offering them to other shops and salons saying, okay, well, what are your specialties? What do you do? You know, um, how can we take this and customize this to fit your business? I mean, and then the talk track was that no one that walked out of your shop or salon should leave without a bag in hand. It's an additional revenue stream for your business. You know, we are always behind the chair. And if you go into a lot of black shops, they're not retailing products. Why don't we retail products? You know, we're sending them to the beauty supply store. You're not getting anything from that. You send them to Walmart. You're not getting anything from that. So this was a system that I was wanting to create that would bring that old thing back where we could work collectively as a community with something that we're supporting, we're financing, and we're going to recirculate these dollars back throughout our community. So that was back in 2017. And now we're up and going. We have major accounts, minor accounts, whatever, but we've really kind of created a system where individuals can come in for $250, start selling private label and kind of grow as they need to, as they can for their particular business. So that's the long version. Of okay. So we how we'll it talk, all got started. So one, thank you for sharing and just being transparent about your full journey and yeah. Annie Malone. Like I've heard of her name. I didn't know she, you know, the home and she was originally from St. Louis. So shout out to St. Louis. Right. Um, you know, but just hearing like how the actual beauty industry and the beauty manufacturing started right there in St. Louis and Annie Malone and how she actually hired Madam CJ Walker to work there, yeah. how you're doing your research. So now here you are with Rise Manufacturing and how you rose above and saw the need for offering products you know, based upon your own experience, doing tree braids. I used to rock the tree braids all the time. <laughs> They're coming back big time too. I'm like, I need to hire somebody because I still do them. I have some clients that will not let me go. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm like, okay, y'all, we're going to have to find somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe that should be a certification program you create. I've looked into it. I definitely have. It's some more and more people popping up with these young girls. Hey, I'm like, let's go. But it's, mm -hmm. but first it was always considered, oh, that's an older lady style and that. But now with it, you know, it's coming, coming, back. coming back, we can, uh, we can go ahead and start promoting that again. Yes. Girl, look, Atlanta, y'all based in Atlanta, y'all need to go check out my girl, Sajana Bell, because you hear her experience, right? 20 years of experience. And she's been in this game from when Dudley's was hitting the market. And in black community, Dudley's was like one of the top ranking brands that hairstylists will utilize on your hair. And I would never forget when my first stylist, her name was Miss Diane in Little Rock, Arkansas. Shout out to the Rock. Miss Diane started doing my hair and I just started getting relaxers and she utilized every Dudley product from the neutralizer shampoo to the hydrating conditioner yes. to the grease. I even had the grease at home. So 
<laughs> nobody knew about Dudley's. So right. to hear you talk about that, you know, it's nostalgic because mm-hmm. I know about my own experience as a young girl seeing Dudley's and how the representative will come into the shop offering the products. So she didn't have to go to the beauty supply stores no. at all. No. And we no. was, she would sell the grease and the whole product line to us as the actual clients. Hearing that is, is really nostalgic, really it nostalgic. Is. It was even crazy how we would drive around the city and just looking around and they would have like little signs in their window. So mm-hmm. you knew all of the salons that offered Dudley products. So yeah. if your shop was out of something, you knew, okay, I can go across the street, such and such to also sell some yep. product. So that, like I said, that type of community, mm-hmm. you got to get back to that. Yeah, we do. We do. And one other thing that you mentioned, just sharing about your story in corporate respectfully is how you endure that sexual assault and not being supported. And I just want to ask you, because there's countless women going through that, Black women in corporate. We already dealing with microaggressions, not getting paid enough, our experience not valued, countless other things, right? But now to have other women who are going through similar situations, what would you recommend to them that may be going through that present day of how to overcome, how to speak up, utilize their voice, even when they don't get the support internally, what would you recommend to them? I think one, you have to find somebody that you can talk to, whether it's friend, Mm. family, something, you have to talk that situation through. There were steps before I got to the point that I actually said, you know what, I'm leaving this, especially Mm. the fear of the fact that, yeah, I've been in corporate 10 years, you know, that I didn't know anything other than every two weeks getting a check. You know, mm-hmm. what did that look like with me just stepping out this far along in my, my corporate journey? Mm-hmm. What would that look like? So there were steps. I remember even going back to my manager and having a one-on-one with him about it, trying to gain clarity, you know, and saying, you know, well, maybe you didn't trying to get, let him off the hook. I think I was trying to do, you know, maybe even him saying he, he's sorry. I don't know what I was looking for, but I went back, you know, this happened. I know, you know, I don't understand what made you do this in that conversation. Again, looking to see if there was something that he would say that would redeem the whole situation. It didn't, mm-hmm. it served no purpose. And this was all kind of before the me too, you know, movement, So Mm -hmm. I think with that coming out, that kind of helps, you know, because there are conversations and and programs and processes that are happening because we all know that this this sort of thing exists. But I think the end result is the fact that you have to be true to yourself. If you feel like you can still be in that environment and it not not be something that's going to weigh on you daily, it's not going to impact your work because for me, it would, it consumed me. So I knew that in order for me to heal, I had to get out of there. I couldn't continue working with him. I think that's a big thing. Find out what your next step possibly could be and start making plans to get to that in order for your own self-healing. You got to put yourself first. Absolutely. And I just want to say thank you for sharing. Like I can get emotional just hearing it because there's so many women who go through that and we feel that we don't have a voice to speak up on it and that we have to stay there and deal with it when we don't we are so much bigger and better than those situations and nowadays we ain't take we're not here for the bs i can't i'm not gonna curse but we're not here for the bs and we're not gonna deal with it so anybody that is listening if you are if you've been through this or you know somebody that's done it 
speak up. That's the biggest thing. Use your voice. A lot of times our voice gets suppressed and it seems like our voice doesn't matter, but it does. Speak up on it. Find your support circle, somebody you can confide in, whether that's at the company or outside the company, family, friends, mentors, whoever. If you don't have nobody, you can contact me. I will help you find somebody, okay? Therapyforblackgirls.com. We will find somebody for you all to work through these situations and create your own game plan. So use your voice at the end of the day. And I just had to ask that because so many countless women are dealing with it. And I just appreciate you for just being honest and transparent about it. I mean, and it's a lot. I mean, I I remember earlier, just in my entrepreneurial journey, and people would ask, how did you walk away from corporate? And what was the deciding factor? And I would always leave that out. You know, I'm Mm. just getting to the point that I'm like, you know what? I have to tell my full story for people to really kind of grasp why I did what I did, you know, and would you ever go back? Mm, No, I I can't see, you know, you have moments where you think, well, maybe I'll go back corporate, not that particular job, but just go back to corporate just for the security of it all. But no, (laughs) no, I can't do it. And at this point, I don't need to. So that's the blessing. Okay. That's the blessing itself. And it shows like the growth and the healing journey that you had to go through too, because healing takes time. It takes time. It is not an overnight process. I'm healing through my own traumas. We all are right. You know, but with that, we're all working through something, but understanding that healing takes time. And the fact that now your testimony is going to help inspire somebody else to use their voice, to figure out their game plan, to do something different and maybe coming into full-time entrepreneurship or get, get that tree brace certification from you to learn how to make this side money and stuff in the products that can complement the tree brace. So guys, we can create a whole strategy from you just from this one conversation Mm -hmm. and you have the go-to therapy either. Cause I did that as well. And it was like, and this is just another sidebar, but you have situations and we as black women have situation after situation and we push it back and we push it back and we keep moving. We keep moving. And I mean, I just had a host of just people passing away from my best friend passed, then my husband passed. And then six months later, my dad passed. So it was like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm pushing it all back and pushing it all back. And then experience started experiencing panic attacks. And once that happened, I, I just didn't know, you know, what to do, where it was coming from. And it wasn't until I, I said, you know what, let me go ahead and go to therapy. And I went to therapy with a a black woman and we were able to start unpacking all of this. Like Mm -hmm. I would leave those sessions and I would just be just kind of messed up for (laughs) for another day or so, because again, these are things that I had pushed down and pushed down. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was able to kind of get through that. It took us about six months to really kind of get through that and really dealing with what I had gone through that I was able to then really push forward. And I think that if you're not able to do that, you're going to stay in this, this cycle where it'll yeah. keep coming back. Not to say, you know, I don't have moments, but it's of nothing course. like it was before. And that's, I think too, why I'm able to kind of talk about it. Mm, that's growth. It is very profound on your life. When you go through, you have to do the work. Yeah. And a lot of times it's very uncomfortable. I'm working through that. Even in my own therapy sessions, we have to do the work, but The fact that we want healing and because as black women, we have suppressed a lot of stuff for generations and it continues to pass down with each generation, each future generation too. Mm -hmm. So things that impacted my great grandmother who was bathing people at the bathhouses, Mm -hmm. you know, those things I'm still working through because it's been passed down from my great grandmother to my grandmother, to my mom, to me. 
but I'm like this, it ends here. It stops here. Absolutely. You know, so being intentional about your healing journey is something that we all need to go through, specifically black women, because we're always coined as, oh, you're strong enough. You can endure it. Oh, let me just throw this on your plate too. And because you can handle it. Right. We're fragile too. We're human. We have emotions, feelings, thoughts. We bleed just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. But why is it that we have to be always the strong ones? So girl, I'm working through that in my own therapy session, girl. So we could go through that whole whole segment in itself. (laughs) But I'm so glad to hear that, you know, even though you still have moments, you've been intentional about your healing journey. Mm -hmm. So that way you can be a testimony to other people to have that resonate and transfer over into your business, to clients you service, to other people that you meet and other people that you will meet, you know, just from them hearing your inspiring story and how you've overcome it. So I just want to say thank you for sharing because we don't talk about that. It's a lot of times we're always just focused on business, but we have the personal element that rolls over into the business, you know? So I love that. Um, Let me take a sip of water because baby. So Okay, so we're going to talk a little more positive, right? So with your upbringing, you started Lady Elegance alongside of your sisters. So this is a whole family business. I love Mm -hmm. this. And how you all saw the need from braiding hair, because in the Black community, we get our hair done. Yes. Done. Yes. It is a staple. It is That is our crown. Our hair represents who we are, okay? Mm -hmm. It's so much personality. So you and your sisters braided hair, saw the need for needed to create products. So clients leave, don't have to go to the beauty supply store that's already marked up and right. owned by right. other ethnicities and stuff. Right. How to create another revenue stream. That's huge. Then for you all to transition that to say, I see all these other salons opening up. They want to do something similar and they need to have different streams of revenue in their business. Right. How can we offer our products to them and meet them where they are yep. to- stock formulas to customize formulas. That's right. So I love that. And even with you all starting that journey, like what were some challenges that you all endured? The biggest one was capital. And and that was another thing. That's why I mentioned how you can start with $250, Mm-hmm. You know, with buying now, it's called the Prestige Naturals. So we have a Prestige Naturals line, which would be like, you know, Dudley's where mm-hmm. you just have the line. But a big part of that really started to resonate with me was the fact that many of the products on the market sold to us were toxic. And I've actually at this point lost both my parents to cancer. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we look at, you know, what we're putting in our bodies. We look at what we're putting on our bodies, you know. We have become where one of my sisters, we call her former Fida now, her name is Lafita, but she has taken her entire backyard and she's growing everything. And it's wild to be able to go outside and pick, you know, spinach or peppers and go in the house and cook them, you know, that sort of thing, getting back to natural and organic. So that was a big part of it, you know, looking at what type of products were being offered and how we can make those better products. So that was a big challenge, you know, one, finding vendors that we could work with who were on that because a lot of these chemists and and cosmetic chemists, a lot of the companies use kind of the same people. Mm -hmm. And I found that when I was trying to hire chemists, they're questioning me on what I was doing. You know, they felt like we're experienced. We know what we're doing. You know what you're talking about, that sort of thing. So one, to combat that, during COVID, I went back to school and got my degree in logistics and supply chain management. Just to have that piece of paper to say, excuse me, um, yeah, I kind of do know what I'm talking about. 
you know, and um, <laughs> yeah, let, let's talk about this and that part. So did that and then really started looking to work with, I wanted more green, new people to the industry because they were a little bit more open. You know, you understand the science of it, but you're not locked in to how the industry has been running because we're going against the grain. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I need somebody who's going to be ready to ride with us. Yeah. So I'd start tapping into herbalist and um, some younger cosmetic chemist, you know, and then at this point, I'm looking to even work with young people who are just looking to get into it so that we can teach them and kind of grow them up in this, you know, life sciences and all of that, they're, they're important. So if I could help kind of mold you before you're tainted <laughs> by the world, so to speak, then again, we're just, you know, creating our own system from the form to the package, to the product, to the individual it's being sold to. So one word when I was kind of going through this that just resonated with me was vertical integration. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was like, what's vertical integration? What's that? You know, but then I was understanding that this is how the Asians ran their supply business. And so looking at some of the beauty supply stores we were working with, you would have these Asian families come in and they would run the business for like three years. Then they would go back and then another family would come in. And so sometimes some of them would be willing to talk. And I would understand that they were pooling their money, pooling their resources and buying all of these products. Then the family that would come in, that's how they kind of made their money back. They would, if they took turns to kind of make their money and stack their money, but they were all working together from the distributors to the retail stores, to all of it, you know, and before when I was really kind of going through this journey too, I was looking to see, well, can I get products from them? And I was then understanding that some of them wouldn't sell to me. Some of them sold to me at crazy, crazy prices. Mm -hmm. um, some of them were like, well, if you're within a certain zip code of this, you can't sell these particular products because they're selling them. There were a lot of little rules and regulations. It was also situations where you think, okay, well, let me get my products into their stores. Maybe that would be beneficial. But often what they do is they'll, have, they'll sell it for a while. And then that's only enough time for them to mimic and copy what you have, create their own brand. Then they tell you, well, we don't need you anymore. Again, paying attention to the competition, how they do business and pulling out all the good stuff to kind of put it into our process. And so, yeah, that's been a part of the journey. And a lot of those were like, you know, little roadblocks we ran into, but then it gave us, okay, opportunities. Yeah. As we really dissected what it was that they were doing. I love that. And guys, that's a whole lesson on that vertical integration and understanding your competitors doing thorough analysis and really seeking to understand and researching is gold. And that's one of the things that I see, even with me working with my clients, that they don't do those competitive analysis. They're not doing enough research to understand their competitors and the products that they're offering and why they offer it based upon geographic locations, demographics, age, income, they're not doing it. And then, so when they start, you know, when they're like, I'm looking for a contra contract manufacturer, cool. I refer people to you, right? And, but I ask them, okay, what's different about your product than your competitors or who are your competitors? And they look at me like deer in headlights, here's some homework, yes. go do this. Yes. I need you to do this because when you go talk to Sajana and her team, they are going to ask you the same question. Who are your competitors? What mm -hmm. benchmark are you utilizing and trying to, you know, create a product against? Mm -hmm. What's the intended use of this product? 
Who is the demographic? Where are they located? Do I need a thicker viscosity based upon this type of hair texture? If we're creating a hair care brand or do I need a lower viscosity? Please do your homework, guys. That's, that's the biggest thing I can say. And you're hearing it from the lady herself, the CEO and the manufacturer and head of manufacturing here at Rise Manufacturing. She is telling you all too. But even when you talked about lack of capital, that's the biggest thing we're seeing with a lot of Indian startup brands, really all brands. It doesn't matter what scale, yeah. but really for the Indian startup brands, you know, they don't have a lot of capital. They may still be working the nine to five, creating a side hustle, similar to your background, right. but, and they have to be cost conscious because things are constantly going up, cost of right. goods, inflation, all of that. Right. So they'd be like, I only have $250. To allocate to my side business, maybe per month, per quarter, whatever that looks like. So from a capital perspective, what recommendations would you give to those brands who need to secure capital to start building and growing their brand and then creating products? There are different routes. And I mean, really, you have to kind of choose what's best for you. A lot of people, sometimes they'll get into this and they'll say, okay, I'm going to quit my nine to five. I'm going full force because I need to give it all of my attention, this, this, this. But really, you're your first investor. Mm -hmm. We bootstrapped our business and I still, you know, mostly I have still 100% equity in my company. Now, mm -hmm. I've met with investors and found that, you know, I didn't really want to go that route. Mm -hmm. And mainly because, as I mentioned, I'm looking to build something for the community. Many times when you go with investors, angel investors, they're looking to 10 times their money as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So they may give you shortcuts or want you to do it a whole lot different than your mission may be. Um, mm -hmm. But then you may be in a position now because you want to take this money that you're going to willing to sacrifice some of what you believe and what you want it as far as your vision for your company for mm -hmm. a few dollars. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. If, the, if the journey takes longer but you get to really put in place what your goal and your mission and your vision is, then take it, take it longer. So that may, that may mean stay on your job, stay on your job and make a commitment that, okay, once I get off from this time to this time, I'm working on the business, but your job now is what's financing because tree braids finance getting rise off the ground. Mm -hmm. So I had to keep doing clients and keep doing clients in order for me to get to this level okay then what's my next milestone okay to get to that one to get to this one so I was able to build it like again it may take a longer time so I, it was funny because I've gone through different accelerators and mm -hmm. new voices and you know just a lot of different excel and I'm looking at my peers and they blow it up and I'm like yeah. dang she did this but then she then I had to sit back and say okay she has this investor she has that investor they have that investor they have to answer to this person this person this person I still don't have to do that. I don't have to mm. change my vision. I don't have to alter my goals based on what they think that I should do in order to, you know, satisfy this 10 times number that they're trying to achieve off of my business. Yeah. So family, friends, you know, there are campaigns that exist that are non-equity campaigns where you can go through those in order to get grants uh, there are tons of grants out that weren't mm -hmm. out when I was coming up, tons, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of competition. So with that, you need to make sure that your, your business plan, you have to have a business plan. You have to have a business plan. It can't just be, I've created this product. It's the bomb. My family like it. Ain't nothing like it on the industry, in the market. 
Okay, let's go. Mm -mm. It's more to that. It, it's a lot more. You know, you need to understand all of that. Put it on in writing. Put, take a class. If you don't know how to do a business plan, take a class. There's also business canvases, which is like a shorter mm -hmm. version. Do that version first and then build it out from there. What's your marketing goal? You know, how are you going to get that product out there? And so I've actually run into customers where we've created these products for them and they did not have a marketing plan. And so now you're sitting on all these products and they're not moving. You thought that, you know, make it and they'll come. No, wow. <laughs> it's crazy competition out here. You have to yeah. have a plan. If that's social media plan, if that's an email campaign, you know, if that's telemarketing, if that's going door to door, you need a plan for each and every aspect of your business. And it's not just that, oh, I got this cool product. It's more than that. That's, that's the whole lesson right there. Like Mike drop. Okay. Just to recap everything that you mentioned, like from a capital perspective, Stay true to your mission, first and foremost, mm -hmm. in understanding why you're creating the product. Secondly, look at different sources of investments. I tell people all the time, do not quit your nine to five job. They are your investor. Use it to your own advantage and you determine when you want to exit. Okay. Yep. So don't go in it, at that nine to five job doing your side business because they are your investor. Use yes. that money to sustain your lifestyle, sustain your household, and then allocate to your business and then when you're ready, you built up enough traction to create the exit strategy. There you go. And then having that business plan. Guys, free resource, you can go to SCORE. SCORE is in every metropolitan city. They do yes. business plans for free. You can do a quick search with SBA. Mm -hmm. um, they have different campuses in all the metropolitan cities where they will create your uh, business plan for you. Strategizer.com. They have a phenomenal business canvas. I use that to this day still. Before I build out my full strategic business operations plan, I start with the business canvas to get the high points and yep. build it out further. So guys, there's so many resources to create your business plan, marketing plans, have all of that in place. Okay. You're hearing it right here on the product packs, your powerhouse. Like she is giving you all the gems, have that in place. So as brands are starting to, you know, they lack the capital, they don't know what to do. They're like, okay, I'm ready to get engaged with you. They may or may not do their competitive analysis, but you should be doing that before you get into it. After listening to this episode, you're going to have that in place. Mm -hmm. And so now they come to you. They're like, well, I've been creating these products out of my home kitchen or at my family's in my family basement, you know, and selling it on Etsy and stuff. Right. And with FDA, there is no requirement to work with the manufacturer. You can create your own products as long yeah. as the products are not adulterated. Right. So with that being stated, I personally believe that regardless of where you're at, if you only have $250 or you have $250,000, you should be working with the manufacturer to establish those best practices. And so with that, what recommendations would you give to those brands that are just starting off, have limited capital, but, and they may be creating their own products, but still looking at maybe engaging with the manufacturer, what recommendations would you give them to get started? My very first recommendation, and this is how we start with each client, is if you have a theoretical formula. Theoretical formula, let's just kind of make the comparison to us cooking in the kitchen, just, okay. you know, regular cooking. So if you're cooking in the kitchen, you know, it's a dash of this, it's a dash of that, you know, you kind of put it together, but it's, there's no specifics. So if you want to then take that and you want to scale it, 
you really don't know the percentages in order to scale it to make sure that it's consistent from the bottle to the case. Mm -hmm. You have to go make sure that you have that information. So that's always step one, always step one. And that's kind of the hardest part because they may say, well, I do this, but if you've only been making, you know, maybe let's say five gallons, say that's your typical thing. You're making five gallons and then you're selling it. You make it another five gallons and you're selling it, but you've never given it to an actual chemist so that they can break down your formula and give you the percentages so that you can scale this product. That is first and foremost, because if you're looking to get it from doing it, having it done in your kitchen to a contract manufacturer, the first thing they're going to say is, well, where's your batch sheet? So that they can create this, turn this into to an actual product that can one day be scaled to thousands or, or whatever, you know. So it may cost. You it mm -hmm. may cost because once you have that done, you may see that oh wait, the consistency is off or the color has changed, you know. So and also making sure that the products are consistent. You know, you're using this vendor and now you might have to go to this vendor, and that happened a lot during COVID, a lot because. Yes things weren't available. So you need to know what type of products am I using? Who am I getting these from? Do they have enough in stock that if I am going to scale this product, I can buy as little as a couple of ounces or as much as, as whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So again, having all of this and being very methodical about this process would be kind of the first, fifth, last step of doing your own product and looking forward to skin. Now, if you're fine with just selling it on Etsy and all of then that's good. You know, don't worry about it. Because there, again, there may be a cost. This could go from 1,500 to 5,000 just to get your formula firm. But that's an investment that you would need to make if your long-term goals is to get out your kitchen. That product composition breakdown based upon the theoretical formula, like, that's something that even though my expertise is packaging, right? Mm -hmm. You know, brands are like, I'm looking for a CM. Cool. Well, what's, you know, what's, do you have your inky? I asked them that. Do you have a, you know, your product composition breakdown to specify to your point, like how much of this, of this ingredient, how much of this ingredient to determine the percentages? They look at me like deer in headlights. And I'm like, that's not my area of expertise. Mine is packaging. However, mm -hmm. I ask these questions because I work alongside of manufacturers and the right. packaging complements the products that you're creating. So right. then determining what's your theoretical fill weight, how much product is housed in the packaging. You know, so guys, even though we're on different sides of the business, we all are one big family. And you can go to Sajana and her team, ask them about products and packaging. You can come back over here. We, I guarantee we gonna say the same thing. Mm -hmm. It don't matter if we, where are we located? We saying the same thing because right. we really are intentional about the community and making sure that you all are set up for success as you're growing and scaling your products. Because we want to see our products out here making an impact. Retail, boutiques, beauty supply, your own retail store, whatever that may look like. We want to see y'all win. So have those things in place, guys. It makes it so much easier. It is an investment, but that's why you need to stick with your nine to five job. Yeah. to fund that investment so you can go through these different stages and yeah now that actually i'm thinking about the other part of it um would be verifying that your preservatives and your stability testing has been done 
oftentimes we make the product and we sell it in instantly, but you're not going through the proper stability testing, having it sit in different, you know, environments. If it's a cold environment, if it's a really hot environment, um, what what's happening? Is it your color changing or your ingredients separating? Um, I remember working with this one young lady and she had been creating this, um, it was like a mist for locks. And it had, you know, various different ingredients, but it would separate. And that's because she didn't have an emulsifier. And, you know, I, I know you want to use natural products and all of that, but you're going to need an emulsifier because you don't want this to sit on the shelf and you see water and oil. This just is just not, you know, the look you want to have. You want to make sure that it has the proper preservatives. You want to make sure that no mold or, or any type of organisms are growing, any bacteria are growing in your product. Sometimes people may take a product and sit it on the shelf. And what would ruin your entire brand is if they pull it off a few months later and now they have mold sitting all in their product because you haven't done proper testing on it. So all of that also very important and shouldn't be taken for granted. Guys, I talk about testing till I am blue in the face, okay? And she is saying the exact same things, preservative efficacy testing, stability testing, packaging compatibility testing, because everything is not housed in glass. That's you right. may have, you have different materials for, for packaging, excuse me, that is utilized where you need to test your final product in the packaging because that's a totally different test. So guys, she is saying the same, what I tell y'all, we may be in different sectors of the business, but we're all saying the same thing, testing, mm -hmm. testing, testing, please invest into it. It is for you all's benefit. You do not want to taint your brand because you, the customer put the product on the windowsill not knowing that probably didn't even read the caution to avoid direct sunlight on the right, packaging. They right. probably didn't even read that, but out of sight, out of mind. And now right. they come back blasting your brand on social media because they like, well, my product now has mold or now I pretty have yeast in my scalp or whatever for guys, please just don't do that. <laughs> Save yourself. Just pay it, Absolutely. invest into it. It's more upfront, but it's going to be more advantageous for you all downstream and prevent the hiring legal to redoing your products, to redoing testing. Oh, Just pay the money up front. Yeah. Save yourself the headache on the back end. That's Absolutely. the best way to put it. Absolutely. So thinking about like your own like journey, you've been in this beauty space for 20 years, mm -hmm. how you started off, you know, in the salon, family salon, went to Clark Atlanta, shout out to the AUC Yay. here in Atlanta to, you know, going to Clark Atlanta, doing hair on the side, working in corporate, left corporate, came back to family business, create your product lines to now having your own manufacturing company, okay? And as a Black woman, like what challenges have you personally experienced with getting your whole manufacturing company off the ground? What challenges have you experienced? I think the first ones were my own mm. and ones that I put on myself, that whole okay. imposter syndrome sort of thing. That had me paralyzed in some ways because there weren't a lot of mentors in this space. I didn't have a lot of people to lean on, but I found that once you, when you're kind of new, as far as one of the first ones in a particular industry or whatever, there are still people who have been the first in their industry. So mm -hmm. you can still talk to them to kind of help you get over that. And dealing with some you know what I'm trying to break into the space yeah they're big on telling you that you don't know what you're doing mm -hmm. and so for me I just spent a lot of time studying 
I did a lot of research on all different aspects of the business because it took some time for me to kind of carve out who we were going to be in this industry. And primarily we focus on shops and salons and helping them create revenue streams as well as entrepreneurs. And with those entrepreneurs, I wanted to make sure that at least they had a following or individuals to actually sell through to. So understanding who I wanted to be, what my business really represented, that took a few years. It actually took a few years to really get comfortable in my, in this space. Yeah. Um, and I'm still, you know, kind of feeling my way out and feeling my way through it. But that was the biggest thing. The biggest block was me. And mm. once I was able to kind of, you know what, girl, okay, learn as you go. And the one phrase that I heard and I just love, and they was like, do it scared, yeah. you know, because we do, we'll paralyze ourselves just, you know, because we're so just fearful that we're going to mess up, but we're going to do this. Do it scared. You'll learn as you go. You'll learn from your mistakes. You know, you won't make that mistake again. But that was what, you know, I, I guess the biggest thing that I dealt yeah. with. And I can resonate with that because, you know, we're both creating our own businesses in our niche areas, complementary to each other, you mm -hmm. know, and being told by We'll just be honest and say white males. They look at us. What do you know? I've been told, what do you know, little young black girl? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I know a whole lot about a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And same thing for you too. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, hold up. Like, yeah. don't come over here with that. But yeah. to that point, how we still persevere and we do a lot of studying, a lot of studying to this day. And it's, it's like Nike, just do it. Yep. A lot of times we don't know what we don't know until we do it. So mm -hmm. we just, you have to operate sometimes scared, mm -hmm. you know, in order to learn, go through different detours to get to the destination to understand, okay, I need this type of capital. I need this. Oh, I need to really be researching this because this is what's trending. Right. We need, we haven't even tapped into the MOCRA modernization of cosmetic regulations act that's coming down the pipeline. We're going to table that for another day. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with that, it's so many different parts of the business that we have to overcome and really understand that we should not be blocking ourselves. If we want greatness, we have to go and get it. Absolutely. And we have to do it scared. Simone Biles, she is operating sometimes scared, even though she is the best, the best. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. The best gymnast. But mm -hmm. she's getting older. She like, I'm scared. I'm getting older. I'm not, she may not be as limber as she was, but I have to work and constantly prove myself to everybody that I can still do this. Even when I'm scared in this new season, this new age, exactly. you know? So just do it. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. Like Nike, yes. just do it. Just do it. Just do it. That's it. I love that. So as we are wrapping up our time today, um, I want to get into our power round. So our power round is a 30 second power round asking you about some of your favorites and we're more alike than we realize. Um, so I cannot wait to talk about this. So I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock okay. and I'm going to see how you're able to answer these questions. So you ready? Yes. Okay. Let's go. All right. So one of your favorites is dancing. So mm. based upon the various styles of dancing, which one ranks as your top favorite style of dance? African. Ooh, okay. Come on with the beat. Mm. And since African style is one of your favorites, what movie 
would you say features a lot of African dancing? <laughs> Coming to America. Hey, that's my favorite <laughs> movie. Come on. Um, and so from a manufacturing standpoint, packaging is critical at everything that you do. So why do you love and or like packaging? Personality comes through packaging. Mm, that's that aesthetics. Come yeah. on. And we're right at time. So I love that. Girl, you said my whole favorite movie. That's why I'm like, come on. I mean, just that scene, you know, at the wedding, they got the feathers. It's odd. It's just energy. You just it's feel the energy. energy. Yeah. Look, you about to make me break out on this episode doing a dance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I love it. So guys, um, as we wrap up for today's episode, um, Sajana, I just want to have you share how people can get in contact with you to learn more about your private label, custom formulations, testing, and more at Rise Manufacturing. Perfect. Well, our website is um, www.rise, and rise is spelled R-Y-Z-E, products.com. Um, we're actually on all the socials, uh, Rise Private Label on Instagram, Rise Private Label on Facebook, um, Rise Private Label on Twitter. So um, all of those, definitely. Or they can just send us an email at riseproducts um, at gmail.com. Perfect. And guys, all of those respective links and how to get in contact with Rise Manufacturing will be included in the show notes for you. So you don't have to go research. It will be everything would be available for you all and yes. also um, great ways to get engaged with Sajana and her team. So thank you so much. This was such a phenomenal episode. This was more than what I was anticipating. And oh, I'm truly yeah. honored um, to have you here at the house as our featured powerhouse for today. Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. So guys, we'll see you all on the next episode and make sure you go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe to our channels. So I'll see you on the next one.